Welcome, welcome, and welcome to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for April 9th, 2018. So glad to have you on today's episode. You know, I listen to podcasts, and it's interesting because some of them number their episodes, and I thought, should I number my episodes? Like there's a podcast I listen to from uh, Chris Ducker, the Upreneur uh, podcast, and he's always, it's episode number 294, you know? <laughs> if I were to count... I'm thinking it would be up to about 70. I don't know. Should I go back and count? I'll have to figure that out. Hey, uh, if you like what you see or hear on this podcast, by the way, head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. We would really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, I want to give you, before I get to the interview, an update on uh, trade show superheroes and exhibiting zombies. It's it's We're almost at the finish line, I'm telling you. Uh, I uploaded the cover. I finalized the interior draft. So we're good on both of those. I should be getting... A confirmation on that in the next uh, day or so, maybe by the time this podcast airs, because I'm recording this a little bit beforehand. Uh, I'll have all that. Uh, and then we'll set a launch date. I've got some PR things I want to put together, press releases, uh, get some advanced copies, send those out, and then we'll have an actual launch date. I'm going to be doing a, uh, uh, what you call a thunderclap. Um, and you'll if you're on my newsletter, which you, you can get on by going to tradeshowguyblog.com, then you will get notified about all of that stuff. And if you go to tradeshowsuperheroes.com, you'll get notified about probably even more. Um, <laughs> I make sure all that stuff goes there. So anyway, it's coming up. It's coming soon. I'm going to guess if I had to had to say um, around May 1st, maybe the second week of May, we'll have a launch date on that. So, all right. Uh, this week's interview, I connect with Nick McCallion of Trade Show Ready, a company in Bend, Oregon, that uh, works with clients to increase attendance at trade shows. It's... Uh, part of the industry that, frankly, I, I really didn't know a whole lot about. So it was fun to catch up with Nick and learn what he does and how he does it. It's the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I'm Tim Patterson, welcoming Nick McCallion from Trade Show Ready. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning, Tim. Thanks for having me on. That's a pleasure. And so uh, I, I'm curious to know a little bit more about Trade Show Ready. I, I kind of have an idea, but uh, let's hear it from you. What, what is Trade Show Ready? What do you guys do? Sure. We've been around a little over 13 years. Our niche is the trade show exposition and conference space. Essentially four things, attendee acquisition, exhibitor leads, because as you know, attendees and exhibitors coexist in kind of an ecosystem to sell and work off each other. In addition, there's always data mining, cleaning data. And then lastly, with a lot of association clients, what we'll do is their membership renewals, because that's a really easy way for them to drive the home a return on investment. So when you say data, that kind of caught my ear because I'm interested in data and how you how you crunch that. And so you follow that, sure. you, you clean it. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how that would work from your end. What kind of data do you collect? How does that apply? Sure. Well, my background prior to this, I've been doing this 13 years. I used to be a global account rep at Oracle and that's all about data. So the CRM that we have that best meets our clients' needs is unlimited fields, able to tell time zones, et cetera. But let's say we were doing an attendee acquisition campaign and on your list is Bill Smith. Bill Smith is no longer there. It's Susan Jones. We would never overwrite Bill Smith. We would get all of Susan's information, put that in fields, talk to Susan to sell the event, and then let you know at a field level with an alert X number of records have been updated to reflect a new contact. So the data is very important, particularly what we found in the trade show industry, especially with associations. Sometimes technology isn't quite up to date as it should be. And obviously your information and the decisions you make off of it are only as good as your data. 
So you talk about attendee acquisition that we, you talk about networking, education. Let's break these down. Uh, exhibitor technology, the venue itself. Let's start with uh, networking. So when you're approaching, you work with the, the show organizers or event organizers. Is that correct? So yes. what, what, what do you, how do you talk to them? What kind of things are important to them? Sure. Um, last year we worked with about 126 shows, about two thirds were associations, but regardless of the show, whether it's a sweets and snacks show, whether it's a roofing show, whatever it happens to be, let's push that aside for a second. And let's say I'm talking to you, Tim, and um, there's a show that we're working on that I can't mention, but it's right up your alley being a broadcaster. Okay. Okay. The specifics, there's a couple reasons why you would attend a show. The networking, right? Who do you get to meet? Your colleagues, people in the industry, people you look up to. Then the education. And that's particularly strong for the sciences and medical, right? right. Accounting. Yep. New products, new services. What is out there that your organization can take advantage of perhaps to get a competitive advantage, you as a buyer? And that's when you talk about which exhibitors would be there. And then lastly, the venue itself. I personally love Las Vegas. We do a lot of shows there. I wouldn't mind being in Las Vegas in the winter. So when we approach someone and discuss a potential conference or event with them, what we tend to do as opposed to saying, Tim, here's a show. Here's where it's taking place. Would you like to go? That's a bit premature until I can understand how you feel about the networking, the education, the technology, the venue. And then if I know, let's say you're a past year attendee, that all of that is very strong to you, but you feel the content hasn't changed, then that's what I could narrow in and talk to you about. But really, if you think, so to speak, the grass is greener in those four areas, you're more likely to attend. And that's how we sell a show without getting into specifics. Right. So, so you talk about attendee acquisition. That's one of the main things that you, you yes. brought up when we first communicated via email. So you're approaching the show organizers. Um, you, you probably work with a lot of them and so they know what you do. But if you're talking to someone you've never worked with before, that seems to be one of the key things because they, they want attendees, obviously. Right. So, so you're talking to them about how you're going to get them. And these are the four components that are the most attractive to these uh, or how you're going to attract these potential attendees. Is that kind of how you're Looking at it from yes. their perspective. If I were to start with a high level outline and not knowing the specifics of a show, those are typically the four reasons someone would consider going. And then obviously after that, many of our shows have different audience types. So it may be, Tim, you're interested in going to a particular show for reasons one, three, and five. Someone else may be reasons three, four, and six. But that's why you uncover while you're speaking with them why would you go? And if you think about it, a trade show and why trade shows exist, it's face-to-face -face selling, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Use the word again, it's their own ecosystem. In my opinion, face-to-face -face selling is the best way to sell. If you cannot do that, then what's best? To me, it's telephone. What we do, in my opinion, is almost like the wheel. And then when you incorporate print, social media, email campaigns, those are all different spokes, but when we can be on the phone with someone and really dig down why or why they may not be interested in an event, that's a two-way conversation. So what we give our clients at the end of the day is what we call an executive summary, but it's a return on investment. So let's say you have a show and it's a complimentary to walk the expo floor. Maybe it's co-located, two shows at once. And I, I'm trying to refrain from any client references here. So yeah, that's fine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just imagine them. <laughs> yeah. 
And if you visit our site, there's a lot of them there. But if I'm talking to you and I know that you're strong on the networking, but you feel the technology isn't there, we can discuss that. And then as a follow-up, I could send you for our client via email, via social media, something specifically dealing with content. As opposed to in the past, what would happen, Tim, I'm calling you up. Here's a show. Are you interested? Not really. Why? Well, I don't have the time. Okay, thanks. Goodbye. <laughs> right. Interesting. So, so are you talking uh, when when a let's say an event organizer that's doing a show in Portland? Let's just say for fun and giggles and grins. We did a show in Portland last year called Craft Beverage Expo. Wish I could have went, but it was close to home. And <laughs> let's say they're doing a cannabis show, and, and cannabis is an up and coming industry. And in some we state. have one of those. And so they're they're saying to you, "Hey, I, I want to get some more people to come to the show. What kind of things do you actually do? Do you do you call people? Do you advertise? I'm just curious sure. how you actually do the outreach." We actually have a cannabis show now. There are 40 plus cannabis shows. This is the number two cannabis show in terms of size. And when I talk about size, you primarily talk about three things. A goal for a show year after year is increase attendees, sure. increase um, number of exhibitors, and square footage. So if you look in a magazine like Trade Show Executive, it will show you how those shows have done. Our cannabis show currently is number two. If we're looking at attendees, you tend to get a lot of small mom and pops. But the cannabis, just like um, a show that we did for vaping in, in pipes and tobaccos, they aren't as regulated. So really there what attracts people to the show is the new technology. You having a buyer having access to products that may not be mainstream yet. For you to be able to meet with salespeople and exhibitors so you can stop product that your competitor, again, may not have and give you that competitive advantage. So if I'm calling you as an attendee for the cannabis show, sure, there may be networking, but you know what? There's a lot of education. What are the new federal laws? What are the new state laws, for example? Exactly. Right. Comply with those. And then in addition, guess what? It's in Vegas and there's a Vegas night and you're going to be able to do this and that. But it's not just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. It's a high level conversation of this is what's in it. How do you currently feel about it? And Tim, you might say, well, I saw a postcard. I know it's in Vegas. A colleague of mine went last year, but I don't know about this part of it. Right. So that part we would discuss. And what we're able to do besides the phone call is then follow up with an email, social media. Let's say you tell me, Tim, that you're on Twitter. That's what you like. So then in the future, we would have our show, the client, communicate with you via Twitter. The phone call is basically the start of that conversation. And again, with a show, many of our clients we work with year around, because think about it, you are marketing a brand. The show just happens to be when everyone gets together. Right. Yeah. So let's say you've done the show and, and, and you've uh, helped this, uh, this, these, these organizers, this uh, hypothetical cannabis show do this and, mm -hmm. and the show's done. Uh, what happens uh, with your, I'm just curious, what happens after the show with you and the organizer? Do you do any follow-up with the attendees? I'm just curious what, what plays out sure. uh, after that? There's a couple things. The nice thing with phone calls is they're very measurable. So what we provide clients is something called an executive summary. So let's say, Tim, there's two different shows. Let's say you have a show that's a complimentary uh, expo. You can walk the show floor, okay? Maybe you've got some add-ons for programming tracks that cost a couple bucks, whatever it is. And now let's say there's another show that's $600 to get in. 
Well, the executive summary can tell you several things. Number one, I can tell you as a client what your investment was per individual that actually registered. Post-mortem, after the show, when we work with the client and get that final attendee list, then we can break it down to what was your cost as a show organizer, whether you're an independent or an association. We also have some AMCs as clients. Those are association management companies that manage multiple associations. So I can tell you, Tim, for your show, it costs $16.25 to have someone on the floor. If it's a show where there's a cost, and many of our shows cost hundreds of dollars. Right. In this case, there's also a revenue stream where we've had shows in the past where you give me a nickel, I give you 80 cents in attendee revenue. It's a no-brainer. But at the end of the show, what we're going to do is look at those results and figure out, okay, what part of the audience came from us? And we always try to request a special promo code, something we can track back. Sure. And so then that way I could say, I spoke with Tim on Monday. He had interest in the show. He's also inviting Susan. And then when we looked at the up-to-date registration list on Thursday, they were both there. It's an interesting side of the industry that I don't think a lot of people uh, pay much attention to, but certainly for an organizer, it's, it's critical to, to get people there. Uh, do you think there are a lot of uh, shows that just don't use services such as yours that are just kind of like doing some some... I don't know, marketing that, that, that they think is going to work or hope is going to work. I'm just curious, from your perspective, is there a lot of what you do in that side of the industry or is there a lot of it that, that happens, shows that they get promoted with really none of that? Yes and no. Um, you know, every show typically has someone, even if they wear multiple hats, that's responsible for selling booth space, sponsorship space, et cetera. Sure. In the last couple years, um, from some industry experts, I'm not going to quote who I don't want to throw out names at this point, but if, if someone wants to talk to me, what we found is more and more organizations are assigning someone, even part-time, as an attendee acquisition specialist. So I might sell booths, you might be responsible for bringing the attendees. Because at the end of the day, let's say you have no trouble selling booths. Well, unfortunately, we can't always control the sales behavior of exhibitors. As you and I walk show floors, sometimes there's people that pull you in, they engage you, maybe the display looks fantastic, and then unfortunately there's others where they're on their phone texting and you just walk by. <laughs> I so see those all the time. Control that exhibitor behavior, oftentimes shows not need only qualified buyers or attendees, they need aisle density. So it's becoming more and more popular for show organizers to say, you are responsible for attendee acquisition because what happens is, Tim, if you sell 200 booths, but the right attendees aren't there, the exhibitors will come back and say, we didn't sell anything. You know, we spent 20 grand on a booth. We flew out. We did this and that, and we didn't have any leads. It's not the show's fault, but we have to do whatever we can to make sure not only is there aisle density, but the right buyers, for example, are at the show. So attendee acquisition is becoming more and more important. And if you think about it, how many emails you receive in a day and how many social media messages you receive, even still print. We actually do something for some clients in the medical field where once a physician is at the show, we also will text them if they opted in to remind them, look, the keynote speaker is in 30 minutes in hall D or, you know, you signed up with this particular exhibitor. Right. So we engage them not only from the point of getting them from A to B to go to the show, 
but while they're at the show, helping them make the most use out of their time. And then at the end of the show, for lack of a better word, I've used it earlier, a post-mortem. Because many shows, what happens is, if let's say it's a free show, you may only get 70% of those that registered to show up. Maybe the weather is bad and 60% show up. So then we work with that show to say, let's very quickly look at the ones that didn't show up, follow up with them. Maybe there was something live on the show. Maybe there's a white paper, a recorded seminar, but you want to make sure that the message is consistent. People are on the floor. And then afterwards you really examine whether it's through a survey or some other means, you know, what feedback do you get? Many shows will then change their programming tracks and things of that nature based upon the feedback from attendees. I think it's a fascinating part of the industry and, and one that really doesn't get a light sh- shined on it, shown on it <laughs> very, very often. Uh, and there's so many moving parts to, to have a successful show from the exhibitor to the organizer to the audience Absolutely. To, to the education track and, and everything. So uh, it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about this, Nick. So how can people find out about your company? Uh, you guys are in Bend, Oregon, which is right. uh, very close to my heart because I grew up over there and, and graduated from high school over there. Uh, great great area of uh, central Oregon. So how can people find you? Sure. Um, through the website, I, I will actually tell you, um, we've, we've been lucky enough to have an excellent track record, never a data breach. We have a lot of client data and in 13 important <laughs> this day and age. data slip through the tracks. What we actually do with clients is based upon their email written permission, destroy all files. Sometimes clients want us to have it because what we do is, hey, here's year one. Now in year two, let's go back and let's go back and see when they registered, what they paid, et cetera. We're also fortunate to have a lot of good partnerships with uh, registration, housing companies, advertising agencies. But typically, most of our business is through word of mouth, referrals from clients, or there's some larger trade show, independent trade show organizers Some are even publicly traded. So once you start to get into an account, you grow. But the way we sell to a new client, we usually have a couple of weeks, let's say someone finds it on a website, or they say, I saw Tim's blog post, or I saw Tim's podcast. What we'll do is we spend a lot of time up front with the due diligence, okay? Most shows will be able to tell you, let's say there's a show in 90 days, 12 weeks out. If they're on top of things, they will be able to track and tell you 12 weeks out last year, attendance looked like this, exhibitors were this, we're up, we're down, you know what, we're 30 days out, we need a harder hit. Well, 30 days out, let's geofence around Las Vegas, include Arizona, Vegas, and California. But typically what we'll do with a new client is if the project scope ends up being this big, we start with this. Because again, what we do is extremely measurable. And probably the easiest way to say it is, if you give me a quarter and I can give you a dollar, you'll probably do it all day long, but let's start with just that quarter, who we're getting on the floor or what exhibitor leads we're getting. And another area where we've been very strong and I really haven't touched on it is associations today are trying to do more and more with less. A lot of my association clients have three or four people and they're doing the work of eight to 10 people for an independent. No surprise. And they'll even be the ones to say, every Thursday and Friday, let's start making calls, let's build attendance. Remember, they also have a publication to publish. Yeah. They also have membership renewals and things like that. And where we've had some success is to say to the association, let us handle some of your membership renewals. The 
thing is that's a program that can fund itself with little or no investment. Right. And let's look at people who've fallen off in the last six to 12 months. Let's call them and really get them excited about what they had when they were a member. And by the way, for associations, a perfect time to do that is about a month after their large event, because then you could feed on the excitement of that. There's still a lot of non-members who go to association-based events. They pay more to go, right. but they should be a member. So should be a member, yeah. Shout to them to renew that membership is after that type of an event. Very interesting, Nick. I appreciate your time. It's a trade show ready. I presume that's the website, uh, tradeshowready.com. Tradeshowready.com. There you go. Also find us on all forms of social media and it's just at trade show ready. ready. Nick, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining me here on uh, the trade show guy, Monday morning coffee. All right. Hey, thank you, Tim. Pleasure talking to you as always. All right. Thanks again to Nick McCallion of trade show ready for sharing his insights and knowledge. This week's uh, trade show tip is what to do after the show, the follow-up. You know, I've talked with a lot of people in the past few weeks uh, in my follow-up to Expo West and have asked many of them about their follow-up. And, you know, to a person, they're all making sure that it happens the way it should. Uh, Now, every company is a little bit different in how they do it, uh, but the follow-up is what makes all the other work worth it you know the booth setup the planning the travel the show because of the follow-up isn't there it's like all the other stuff really didn't exist that much um so that's where you solidify collections uh, connections uh, confirm sales uh, nail down the new clients process the orders that you get and so on so whatever your follow-up is uh, make sure that it works the way it's supposed to and make sure that you have it set up to work the best way uh, finally we end the show with one good thing i've been wanting to mention this because i've been listening for the last a few weeks, it's uh, Seth Godin's new podcast, Akimbo. And if you go to akimbo.link, I think that's the website, you can find the description. And he says, Akimbo is an ancient word from the bend in the river or the bend in an archer's bow. It's become a symbol for strength, a posture of possibility, the idea that when we stand tall, arms bent, looking right at it, we can make a difference. Akimbo's a podcast about our culture and about how we can change it, about seeing what's happening and choosing to do something and he's already at this point seven eight nine episodes uh into it so he's, i think he puts out about one a week uh it's a great podcast uh, seth godin's always a great read in his blog he's blogs daily he's got he's a best-selling author uh, consultant speaker and his podcast is a lot of fun to akimbo so check it out that's it for trade show guy monday morning coffee for april 16th that's it for trade show guy monday morning coffee for april 9th Have yourself a great week.